0: Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it.
1: Welcome to RealPod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Okay. You are all in for a ride today. And my journalism degree is really coming through in this episode. Okay. I literally approached this like I was an investigative reporter. I pretty much channeled my inner David Ferrier. for any fellow arm cherries listening. Today's episode is about merging finances with your spouse. As Max and I approach our wedding, that is right around the corner, I was literally going on this journey myself, wondering, what do I do? What should we do? So I thought, why not take you all on the journey with me right here on RealPod? I mean, there are so many common questions, right? Like, should you merge your finances? What do you have to consider? Do you merge fully or partially? Like, what are the pros? What are the cons? Well, you will get the answers to all of those questions and more right now on this episode we actually have two special guest interviews and lots of at-home voice memos between Max and I having live and real discussions about our money. And about these voice memos, look, these are personal. They are raw. These are literally me and Max in the comfort of our own home having some serious-ass conversations. I honestly didn't even know if I would use them for the episode, but Max granted me permission a few times here and there. Like We would be in these you know, intense-ish conversations and I was like, "Wait, can I record this?" and he would be like, "Sure." And I think that there are just some really great chunks in these memos that exemplify what it is like to work through these issues with your partner. And it was important for me to share that with all of you. I mean, after all, this is the realist pod. Oh, one more quick thing, and to state the obvious, there is not a one-size-fits-all model to this issue. So while I hope this episode is informative, entertaining, helpful, please, please, please only consider this a fun resource when making your decisions with your partner and not us telling you what to do. Alrighty. On that note, let's dive in. Did you know that money is the number one issue that married couples argue about? Doesn't surprise me, honestly. And money consistently comes up as one of the top three reasons for divorce. Next to, if you're curious, basic incompatibility, which I thought that term was hilarious, just like basic incompatibility, and infidelity, the glamorous word for cheating. That said, it's not a surprise that the conversation about money with your partner is therefore incredibly important. And once Max and I got engaged, I had to think about what that meant for my money, his money, what would soon be our money. At first instinct, honestly, my reaction was, well, I'm not going to merge everything. I, of course, want to have my own personal money. I, assessing myself, you know, being a therapist for myself, I think that this gut opinion comes from. Like having a lot of pride around my own money. Both my mom and her mom, and then her mom and the mom, so forth, did not have corporate careers. They were phenomenal stay-at-home moms, and that is a full-time job in itself to raise kids and to keep a house. I admire them for that and am so lucky I got so much time with my mama growing up. And I have no idea what will happen, you know, with me when I have kids. However, to be the first woman in many generations of my family to have her own money, support herself and have a business is something I am very proud of. And it really does mean a lot to me. So when Max and I began to have our first conversations about merging finances, I was pretty firm about not wanting to have to like ask permission to use money that I earned to buy, you know, let's say an expensive designer bag. So I brought that to Max's attention. There's no scenario where I want to buy something and and hide it from you. I was just saying, I want to I don't have to call my husband and ask him if I can spend my money, but then it's like I know it's not my money; it's our money. I don't know. It's like so. Then do we agree that there's a certain number that if if, any, if either of us buys anything above X dollar, it needs to be a conversation? And then what's that number?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's healthy to put like guidelines, like oh, anything above one ninety nine. I mean, I guess I, I guess I'm, I'm down for that but that just seems like way too robotic. We just need to have the strength and the awareness and the, like the ability to, know. to just know. But like, here's
1: a situation like, like I bought myself a bridal shower dress and it's like, I don't, you don't even know, like, I don't even have to talk to you about that because that's now it's like, if we're married and then I have to ask you, yes, I understand the logic of like, we can save and this can go to that. But it's like, there are just certain things that are like, yes, they're luxuries. But, and I just think there's a difference. Like, if to you, like, an article of clothing at that amount is, sounds ridiculous. To me, it's, like, this once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's beautiful. It's a brush. Like, like you know what I'm saying?
2: Exactly. And I, you should trust that I have the awareness to realize it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. We should yeah. have the strength to... We should have the willingness to... We should, we should be able to talk through that. And then if you're three times over in one year, you're talking about a bad or, like, a, a not once-in-a-lifetime thing, like, we need to be able to talk about this. Right. And I think we're both aware that I probably have a better perspective of, like the overall life expenses that we are about to embark on. And so I think it's important that when you say, Hey, I want to buy a bag and I'm saying, well, Vic, I also know you want to remodel a kitchen and that's seven grand. Like let's talk through that. Yeah. Those conversations need to happen. And I also think there's a difference between like, you don't have to ask my permission. You can tell me, you can say, Hey, Max, I'm going on Thursday and doing it. (laughs) It's not asking my permission, but it's important that I aware, like I'm aware of that. So then down the road, like, yeah. That's
1: a sizable chunk of dough. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. I agree. Now, these instances will certainly be interesting in the future because I'm just not used to having to communicate what I spend with anyone. You know, it's like I see Max's point, though, about having a couple goals of a house one day. And I love how he knows that, like, I will want a kitchen remodel. He's like, Vic, I know you're not going to like the kitchen of a house we buy in the future. So you have to consider how much it will cost. And so then it's like, you know, you have to consider what you're buying and where you're spending money if you're saving for things. And he's right. And when you marry someone else, you do have to think about how it's going to affect them. However, I still really felt pulled towards this feminist energy to have my own money, which is what led me to reach out to my friend and financial expert Tori Dunlap for her advice on what to do. Tori has been on Real Pod before. Amazing episode, check that out. I've also been on her show, Financial Feminist, also a great episode, check them both out. And she's the founder of her first 100K which is a financial education company. And here is our conversation. So Tori, should I merge my finances with Max completely? And should married couples? No, no. (laughs) The answer is
0: no. There is, this is like, I always say personal finance is personal. And then I have certain hard and fast rules where like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of partnership you're in. I don't care if you... Love this person and expect to hopefully be with them for many, 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 many years. It does not matter. The answer is no. We never, ever want to completely merge finances. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be completely separate. That doesn't mean you can't share some things, right? I actually probably recommend that having some sort of like shared bank account where like shared expenses come out. But I say no, under no circumstances, completely shared for two main reasons. One is the like sexy reason, which is like, I want you to be able to like buy Max things without him knowing. And without like, quote unquote, like <laughs> having to get his permission, right? Or like, because you hope in, in a partnership, in a marriage, right? You are making decisions together. And there's sometimes times where you don't want to make decisions together. Maybe you want to buy him something without him knowing. And on the flip side, maybe you want to buy something that you don't have to consult him on, right? Maybe there's a part, of your money that you're like, I really want this thing. And I, I don't think he's going to get it right. Like my parents who have almost completely combined finances still have sub separate money. So my dad can go to his poker game once a month with the guys and like bet money. And my mom like, doesn't care. Like that's not her money. She doesn't care what happens to it. Right. Same thing with like golf lessons. That's what my dad chooses to spend his money on. And for my mom, it's like candles. in. TJ Maxx, right? So like having some sort of separate money, like one allows you to like spend money on the other person without them discovering it or finding out, and also allows you to spend money without having to like consult the other person for, you know, fun little things. The second one is more serious and it's something that is uncomfortable. but We have to acknowledge it. When you enter a marriage, you are entering a legal contract. You are entering a legally binding relationship. Yes, hopefully it's full of love and joy and connection and all of those things. However, I wouldn't go into business with somebody without a contract, right? And the same thing with marriage is you don't go into marriage without a contract. And in doing so, you are legally and financially bound to somebody unless you determine otherwise. And I literally just had a conversation with two friends of mine who are getting married this weekend. And they were transparent enough to discuss the fact that not only did they have a lot of conversations about finances, but they had a conversation with me where they're like, we did our prenup and here's what happened. And it was so, so vulnerable of them to share. But one of the things that they discussed is they were like, when it comes down to it, the state you're in, wherever you live, they have a prenup already (laughs) set up for you, right? They have Financial guidelines already set up for you about how this marriage is to be financially run or, you know, what the legal standing of that is. And if something were to happen, even if it's the most amicable thing in the world where you separate, it gets really, really dicey, right? It gets really financially messy and murky. And in the worst of situations, what we see is a partner typically in a heteronormative relationship, the women identifying partner unable to leave situations because she does not have her own money. Now I could literally send you hundreds, if not thousands of stories from our community at her first center K of women who this was their reality, who got divorced, who separated from their partner and were left financially starting over. And again, in the worst of situations, 99% of domestic violence cases have some sort of financial abuse tied to them. So I love Max, right? I hope you both both have the most beautiful relationship in the world that lasts for decades and decades and decades, right? (laughs) There's just things you have to think about when you enter a legally binding agreement with somebody. And so I think that completely combining your finances is definitely a no. I do think there's a happy medium where you can merge them. But please, especially... If you're a woman marrying a man, but really anybody, please have some sort of money that is only yours for both the fun things and potentially the not so fun things.
1: Okay, I'm obsessed with you, first of all. Not me asking a question and you just for seven minutes, not even wasting a was word. Was it really like, seven minutes? No, I'm what? just kidding. I don't think it was seven. But Tori, I was, I was on the edge of my seat for every word. I have some questions, okay, as always. So for the first, the second part, I understand, I agree. I do think it's important to have a little something because you never know. However, for the first part, what's the line between what money is going into Mm. our pot that's for us and it's for a house and it's for kids and it's for the team. And then the other pot that's like for the nice bags I want to buy or the clothes I want to buy. And also if you have different, you make different amounts of money. Is it like, is it fair to one partner for the other to be withholding their 10%, which is actually five times more than what the other person even contributes in their 80? That's a great point.
0: Ultimately, I can't decide that for you. Right. I can't decide that for you and Max. These are part of the conversations of like a great question to ask your partner is what amount of money do we feel comfortable with the other person spending without me being consulted or without you being consulted? Right. Maybe that's $500. Maybe that's $20. I don't know. Right. What amount of money Max, are you okay with, I go out, you know, if I go out and spend this amount of money, at what point are you feeling like I need to be consulted? And you probably have that number too. That's a great conversation to have before you get married. Of like, what level, what amount of money are we okay spending without having to consult the other person? In addition, I think there are so many nuances. Again, I bring up because I literally had this conversation over drinks at the bar with my friends this weekend. (laughs) He has substantially more money than she does. And so they have discussed, like, she's literally put in the prenup. She's like, if I'm taking off time to raise children, if we decide to do that, like, I will receive this amount of money because she is, of course, being a stay at home mom during that time, which is uncompensated. And she's thinking about the opportunity costs as well as the career cost of her taking time off to raise children. And so basically they've worked out where she gets like a quote unquote salary, a percentage of like his earnings and his net worth during that time. So I think these are all conversations to have, right? If somebody makes substantially more, if one person makes substantially more in the relationship, yeah, you're going to have to figure that out. If you are trying to split as expenses as 50 50 as possible if he makes more money, maybe he's paying 60% or 70% of the necessary expenses versus the other partner who's paying less. There is no one size fits all in that way where you're actually like figuring out logistics.
1: It just gets sticky, you know, and you worry about yeah. nickeling and diming and the friend who's going to be essentially paid by it sounds like her husband to raise their kids, which to me like that, that seems a mm. little I don't know. I don't know. That to me is like, she literally she's getting paid to do it. Like it's, it's not like, hey, I'm going to put more, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is like. Well, for me, I
0: think it makes sense because she's not working, one. And two, she is taking her own career and putting that in jeopardy, right? And in our current society, women or, you know, stay at home parents, typically women, are not compensated for their labor, they're not compensated for that. They're not compensated for their time at home. Now, I don't think the solution maybe works for everybody. I marveled though, less like the actual decisions they made and more the fact that they were able to have these conversations together and enter into their marriage and into their partnership, having had these conversations. Like I was blown away at their vulnerability and blown away at their like teamsmanship of like, okay, let's figure this out together. What does this look like? What do you value? What do I value? And how do we like then diagram those two things together?
1: We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I'm a huge advocate for therapy. We talk about mental health pretty much every week on this podcast. And taking care of your mind is something that is so important. There are few things in life that bring me the joy that sitting down for my one-on-one therapy session brings me. Truly, it's this time where I get to care for my mind, talk about what I'm going through, and hopefully oftentimes find solutions that then help me have a better overall life experience. It's wild how our mind is the most important thing and we often just don't prioritize it. My favorite part about BetterHelp specifically is it is online therapy. You can do it by video, phone, even live chat online sessions. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It is also much more affordable than in-person therapy. So it's convenient, it's affordable, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. RealPod listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash RealPod. That's better, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash RealPod. So go get 10% off your first month today at betterhelp.com slash RealPod. Therapy is one of the best, best things I ever did for myself. So if you are considering it, I highly, highly recommend it and definitely take this discount for 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash RealPod. Let me ask you this. What is the difference between Max and I living together right now, being fully romantically committed and being in our relationship now versus when our wedding date passes? If like we're not to just merge finances, what makes the couple married? What's the point of marriage?
0: It's a great question, Victor. I mean, how much time do you have? Is marriage a you know construct? Right. No, but like the difference is. You are now in a legally binding, financially binding contract. That's the biggest difference, right? And there's plenty of people who don't get married for that reason, who are fine being in a partnership where they don't need that piece of paper, don't want that piece of paper. And also you take, again, you like are yoking yourself to somebody else unless through, you know, lawyers or through something like a prenuptial agreement or postnuptial agreement, you're trying to, you know, change what that looks like. So the biggest difference, you're exactly right. There is not a lot of differences, except what I would argue is a massive difference, which is just like, unless, again, it varies by state, but when you are getting married, again, you are not just saying, I'm in love with you. Or I want to spend the rest of my life with you romantically. You're also saying, unless we dictate otherwise, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. In, a, again, a romantic way that's beautiful and lovely. And I completely agree at the same time, if we're being realistic in the reality, that can lead to a lot of drama if you don't you know if you don't discuss those things and It sounds like you and Max have already had these kind of conversations. One of the best things we can do in couples is you can sit down with your partner. I talk literally about this on financial feminist about like having a money date and we talk about this as individuals of like going on a date with your money, practicing financial self care right and you can do this with your partner and if you are in a partnership with somebody where you are sharing even just the littlest amount of money, have this conversation with them, like make a standing appointment once a month where you're like, okay, this is where we're going to talk about money. And that might be scary. It's probably scary, but instead we want to use money as the tool to build the life that you want with this other person. Right? So if you and Max, if you're like, we really want to travel every year, part of that money date conversation is like, okay, we want to travel internationally at least once a year. How are we going to use money as a tool to get there? Right? Like it shouldn't be a depressing conversation. It should be like, how do we use this tool and this resource to build the life that we want together, to build our foundation, to you know have kids or not have kids, to travel, to retire early, to start businesses, whatever that looks like for you, to buy a house, to not buy a house, right? All of these things can be really exciting. And you just use money as a tool in order to bring you closer together rather than further apart. And I will say too, one thing that I forgot to mention I think we all want to be in relationships with people because we know the other person wants to be with us, right? They're like choosing to show up because they like being around us and they like us, you know, and they love us. The last thing I would want is to feel or to have my partner feel like they're in a relationship with me because they can't financially leave. <laughs> like, right. it's so, such a beautiful thing to be able to say like, I have my own foundation, you have your own foundation. I could leave at any time hypothetically, but I'm choosing not to because I love you, right? I love this relationship. And so I think that that weirdly too is like a good reason to not completely merge everything of just knowing
1: that you that have t- the choice and you don't.
0: Right. Right, right, right. And again, I like I I think it's it's beautiful again to enter a relationship being blissfully happy and to be so excited and you should be, right? I have unfortunately, again, seen the really ugly side and even the not so ugly side, but just like we're separating side that happens five years, 10 years, 20, 40 years down the line.
1: And it's so true that you just, you never know, like people get injured, they retire, they turn to alcohol, they turn to right. whatever, they, they then aren't the same anymore. They lose a lot. Like right. there's so Or even many- just
0: again, like super amicably, like maybe you're just like, you know what? We've grown apart. I like, I can't, I, I love you, but I, I, you know, this marriage is not working for me or it's not working for us anymore. I've seen a bunch of marriages end beautifully, amicably, but you still are financially together. (laughs) And, and that's something you have to consider again. Like when I'm thinking about building a business, it is the same kind of contract, right? If I'm going into business with somebody, I'm having them sign a contract. I'm signing a contract. You sign a contract when you get married. So you may as well make sure that that contract and the terms you're agreeing to are working for you and that you have a way out of that contract.
1: Period. Peace. Deuces. That's Tori Dunlap on the track, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, babe. So following this conversation, obviously I'm feeling very adamant about keeping some money for myself on the side. That was until I chatted with Max about it later and he brought up some good points to me. This voice memo is from a conversation where I was still hesitant, but Max was passionate about merging finances.
2: A lot of my firmness is strictly on principle because I know if the shoe were on the other foot, you would be doing exactly what I'm doing and probably forex.
0: <laughs>
2: like, I don't want to hedge our marriage.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: And I know, if, like I said, if the shoe was on the other foot, you would feel so strongly about that, that, you know, and- the, the financial situation could flip-flop here in 10 years. Yeah. You know? It doesn't
1: come from a... It genuinely doesn't come from a place of, I don't think we're going to last forever. It comes from this, like, yeah, this modern feminism of, like, my mom and my Yaya didn't have careers. They kept the house. Very admirable. But, like, I just think every woman needs to have a little bit of their own money. And so it's just what's the right amount and put away one. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I, just, I know, like,
2: I know, like, literally what you're saying. But I just think if you said, well, every man needs 10 grand put away, like, that would never fly, you know?
1: Because historically, men are the ones that do have the money. If you want to have, if we want to agree on a certain amount that we each both put in our own savings, and we don't ever add to it, there's no sneaky business, but it's just like, I know you have an account that I don't have access to and it's got X in it and I have the same account and it's got X in it. And we if you if you feel better that we both have that and in in however many years. Yeah, maybe we get rid of it the same way like my dad ripped up the prenup after anniversary 10. I just I just as a modern feminist woman, I just can't. I just don't I do not want to not have a small little fund of my
2: own money I, I disagree with the notion i'm happy to you know obviously keep chatting about this i just think it cracks the door open okay in a good way sure it, it should i go off my like if i if i lose my shit that would be a benefit of having this like little 10 grand stuck away whatever but it just leads to a life of hiding stuff t- Like like it, it makes it easier
1: On the note of shady shit, funny enough, when Max and I met with the bank, we got kind of casual with one of the bankers. Like he, you know, like we are having a great meeting and then we were kind of joking around and and we felt more comfortable with him. And he told us that the majority, almost all of the couples he sees, this is going to blow your mind. One of the spouses has a secret account that the other doesn't know about. I literally couldn't believe it. This came up because... I mentioned something about like, oh, well, my personal checking and Max did my person. And he said, I don't talk about personal checkings like with couples. And we were like all confused. And I was like, why? And he said, the banker has a responsibility to like the client, not the couple. So they have to keep like the secrecy of of a client's wishes. So people will have couple meetings and then another person will come in on a different day in the relationship and like secretly set up their own account. And the other doesn't know. And he said almost all of the couples he sees one of the spouses has this, literally so shady. And I definitely don't want either Max or I to be doing anything like that without telling the other or being transparent with one another, you know, hiding money, having secrets, accounts the others can't see or access. Definitely, I think a recipe for not good things in the marriage. Now, like anything in life, it is always healthy to gather different opinions and consider the other side. One night, it was literally like accidental over the course of, Max and I's engagement year, we were hanging out with Max's brother, Marcus. So Marcus's family, definitely someone I respect. And he had a pretty hard and fast take on merging finances, the opposite of what you have heard so far. And it actually really opened my eyes and had me start thinking a different way. So I wanted to bring him on the show to help provide that other angle. And here is my sit down with my soon to be brother-in-law, Marcus. Marcus. Should you merge your finances with your spouse and why?
3: Yes. Perfect. That'll wrap it up then, right?
1: (laughs) We're done. We're done.
3: Big picture. I think the reason why is almost reflecting back the question like, why are you getting married? The whole idea is that we're going to create this new thing that's just one and that there's no distinction between yours and mine. That's the whole idea is that you're pledging yourself to the other person to create this new life that's just singular and there's no longer separate and with money being such an integral part of everyone's life to kind of hold that aside probably prevents anyone from ever completely being tied together.
1: Mm-hmm. It's compelling. And it does. When I first heard that from you, it really did make me think, yeah, okay, well, what's the point of marriage if you're not uniting like all aspects of your life?
3: All in, Yeah. And I mean, the Kevin. I'm sure there are people with wonderful marriages that are separate finances, but just from a not playing the odds, it just it doesn't make any sense to me to split both big picture philosophically, and then in the day to day logistics. I don't even understand how someone would like. It makes no sense to me to split them up. Like I don't even get it.
1: Right. So let's dive into the nitty gritty. Obviously, you'll hear people say. What about having a little stash for an emergency situation? You know, what if they go off the deep end and 10 years down the line, a tragedy happens and they don't stop drinking or they cheat, you know, it's like, and then you have nothing to your name.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in most states, I'm, I'm obviously not a lawyer, but in Washington and California, both similarly positionally, like you get half the things anyway. So it's not like it being separate all of a sudden like is some massive loophole that then the other person wife or husband's also going to be screwed out of all this money. Like I don't think that's the case. So I kind of negates the whole like being completely on your own. Emergency stash fund like I don't like. I was actually yeah I got a chuckle out of this because if you if you if someone actually thought that was the case, like I don't know how much your engagement ring costs, but you're basically walking around with like. A super liquid, the world's easiest emergency fund, and you carry it with you. <laughs> if shit goes bad, like you at any time could walk into a pawn shop and leave. And I mean, again, I don't know how much it costs, but like, <laughs> to so little my life. little
1: stash is on my hand, is what you're saying.
3: <laughs> is there a better, more liquid spot to have it than in your bank account? They can't get to it. It's yours. It's. I mean, if if that was actually the reason, or even if that was the actual reason, which I don't think it is, because you often don't hear this argument when one side is the opposite. Like if, if you could ever picture like a guy coming in here being like, I really want to have separate bank accounts because I'm worried about you leaving me. Like, I think they'd get laughed out of and it shouldn't be that way. Because That's always like, you pose the, I always pose the question from both sides and say like, would this be treated the same way? But anyway, like you have your little stash fund on your finger.
1: Well, I feel like there is some truth to what you just said. You know, I think a lot of, and I talked to Max about this, whether it's like hesitancy is the word, but A lot of my questioning, I think, does come from this societal notion and, like, history of women just not having money for themselves, not having a plan for themselves. And so it almost feels like anti-feminist to not have something that's your own.
3: Yeah. Here's something better for you that I think is a better stance that everyone should get on board with on both sides is, what have you said both participants in The Spouse? should maintain a money-making ability. You'd be far more impressed if you just, whether it's keeping your career alive, keeping a side hustle that you like have a big, like that's far more important. If you look at like, and again, I don't know the numbers, but like any divorcee on either side, like it's not really a one-time lump sum of 10 grand that's going to save them. It'd be far more important if you just said in every relationship, what if we have like both participants having the capability to earn money outside the house? Obviously, both sides have value, but like that's a far more important thing.
1: And, and Max brought that up to me too, because he was like, wait, he's like, so you want to have what, like 10 grand in a, in, a, in a small account somewhere? He's like, if something did happen, you would just call your different, you know, very, very, yeah. various revenue streams and just tell them to reroute next month's money.
3: And I would not, I would even be on board, like, if it really was just that, then you say, okay, we both have an agreement, it's X amount of dollars, and we've put it there but not an ongoing direction of separation. Cause I think if if that was the reason it was like emergency fund. Okay. Like, okay. We each put our funds, you have that there, but we don't add to it. hundred percent visibility. The other person's not on it, but every once in a while you're making sure you're not siphoned just from a truck. But like from then on though, all future money still comes together. Cause I get like hung up. Like this doesn't even make any sense. So I'll say it's you and Max, you'll say, keep them separate. Let's say you decide to have children. Are you allowed, like not getting to eat out? Does he pay for stuff? Do you pay him rent? Do you like not have to like, there's so many logistical reasons in which the whole separate finances, like I think if both people are celebrities, it's fine. If you both have hundred million dollars, who cares? But in a real sense, you're like, what would you do? It's like, no, you should take care of the child. And if that means not working, working less, a different job, Great, but someone shouldn't be like financially penalized. I feel like if you have separate finances, it would turn into such a negotiation of like when your roommate steals your mustard, and you're like, I'm fine if you take my condiments out of the fridge, but like you can't eat my damn dinner or whatever it is. And right. it just feels like there's so many instances in which it'd be like, Oh, we go out to dinner, anniversary dinner. This is so romantic. Oh, I wanted to get appetizer. Oh, I wasn't really feeling an appetizer. So, are you gonna pay for that appetizer or am I paying? Like, the whole point of marriage is like let's get as one and everything we do is as one team united and not this like negotiation. It's just like a, too much like a business. And I think the whole, I think the kids thing would blow it up. I think anything you could maintain that would maybe work along the way would immediately be blown up when it's like either a kid is brought in because you, you got to put the kids goals above yours. And like, and that's, you should, there shouldn't be a money equation of like, ah, I like to take care of the kid or you want to stay home or you don't want to stay home by like, Literally, they're like
1: want to make you know, you're, you're make
3: getting your like evicted good. by your yeah or do you get like what are, okay you don't pay you're getting evicted by your husband
1: okay okay so let's talk about on a similar note the mentality around knowing what you're making and bringing home and your partner but then viewing it as equal so it's like if we're a team and we're contributing to this team fund something that I've, I brought up to you once before is like the struggle of at what point do I consult max about if I want to buy new sunglasses or if he wants to buy new shoes and yeah. you know, how do you talk about those things if it's all the same money and then one, you think one person's spending more of the money and maybe they're not making them like, who knows?
3: I think well like the number one cause of divorce is money that's like a well-documented, well-known, it's got nothing to do with religion. I mean, that's the number one. So people who don't talk about money, I think are setting themselves up for that. So I say say the answer to the first question is, it's a conversation where like, okay, do I get to eat lunch and not ask you? I have some friends where it's super tight and it's not really necessarily about the dog, but they just have a policy of like, and it works for them and they just have a, not accountability, it works for them. I think you have a conversation that says, hey, if I came home with, a $500 bag or whatever it is, is that going to like rub your head? obviously It obviously depends on how much people make as a couple. But I think you just have that conversation. So like for Laura and I, like we don't have like a hard and fast rule, but like anything over 200 bucks would probably be like a, oh, interesting. <laughs> like more than that without any sort of conversation would be like, okay. Honestly, I know when the Nordstrom sales coming around and stuff like that. <laughs> but we don't have like a super hard and fast rule and we both, it works for us. But I think it's about having a dialogue and being on a team. It doesn't matter like whether you spend more, like every couple has a spender and a saver usually. So it's not going to be equal. I think trying to occur, achieve equality is just too much scorekeeping. You're never going to like, it's not fun. And just having a middle ground of like, you just talk about it and see what works for you guys.
1: This episode is also sponsored by Element. Now I feel like we've all heard that electrolytes are important for us, but we don't really know like what exactly they do. And also how do we just like get electrolytes, right? Well, Element is going to answer your questions and provide you with those extremely necessary electrolytes. First of all, electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix. I can vouch for the tasty part. I have it myself with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt and no sugar. It contains a science backed electrolyte ratio, 1000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. There's no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, none of the BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks, no matter what sort of special diet you might be on for your body. I have really enjoyed Element, especially after my workouts, because it's super important to replenish electrolytes because it helps prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, and so many other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. They have lots of flavors. It tastes really good. I just put it in my water bottle with water. Element is also used by everyone from NBA, NFL, and NHL players to Olympic athletes, Navy Seals, and everyday moms and dads, exercise enthusiasts, and more. Right now, Element is offering RealPod listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors, or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash RealPod. This deal is only available through my link. So go to drink, D R I N K, element, L M N T slash RealPod. Also, Element offers no questions asked refunds. So it's totally risk free. If you don't like it, you get your money back. Head to drinkelement.com, D R I N K, L M N T dot com slash RealPod today something that you said to Max and I that stuck with me is I was saying, you know, I don't know if I want to lose this like girl boss era. I feel like I'm in where like I make my own money and I buy my own things. And then suddenly it's merged and it doesn't feel so independent. And I have to deal with the fact that outwardly people will always assume it's Max. They will say, oh, he works in real estate. And he blah, 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 blah. And so if we get something nice, they will just assume it is max, you know, probably eight, nine times out of 10. And that hurts a little bit, you know? But I think the reality is what you said is like, yes, you're leaving this situation or this this vibe that you like, but it's going to be for a better one.
3: It is less independent. It is quite literally less independent. You're voluntarily entering dependency, but that has all of its other benefits. I agree. Plus, also, you got to like, not you, like, people are going to think that. People, if, you, if it's not that, they'll think of some other reason to like, hate on you or talk crap about you. Like, if it's not that, like, whatever.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true. People will always find something.
3: Not, none, none of the people that you care about. That's true. And nor do you want, if they, if, if who is making the money has any influence on anyone in your life, it shouldn't matter. Like, I realize this is in a perfect world, but like, if you have a friend now and you wouldn't have them if Max was making more money, that's not a friend you want anyway.
1: It's true. There's so many judgments around money and money, the way money is like a language, right? And it's like everyone kind of speaks it a little bit differently and it like means different things to them based on how they were raised, their relationship with oh, money, absolutely. How view it. So it's incredibly true. And can you just share more about this like idea of, you know, entering this dependency or this sanctity of marriage? Because I feel like the way that you describe it and view it is is so important. I feel like we've kind of lost what it means in this very deity hookup culture that a lot of us live in now.
3: Yes. I think it, it's just about what are we like trying to actually do here? If we're just trying to like get married, it just seems so much like a if it start if your relationship starts as not like a business contract, you're doing it wrong. I think. Obviously, I'm sure people can do successful related and I'm not on those exceptions to both sides, but like I think what makes marriage special and what makes that next level bond special is the voluntarily giving up of yourself. That's the whole point to make one like two becoming one. That's what you'll probably swear to in your vows or some degree of that at the church is going to be like, you pledge everything you have to the other person for better or worse, not as long as you make the same amount of money and you stay within your budget, then I love you. Like, <laughs> that's just like, I'm sure people could make it work it seems like you're set, one would be setting themselves up for like constant heartache and constant like scorekeeping, which in any relationship, scorekeeping's like the death of it. If you start counting like Christmas presents, who's spending more, or, oh, I went to their house three times and they did like... The moment scorekeeping comes into like any relationship, I feel like put a clock on it because it's headed the wrong direction. And I think Max, like your guys are like, okay, let's, you're never going to make the same unless you have like literally the same like job.
1: Well, we know that we're going we're gonna to go in seasons because we both have, you know, careers where it's not like we get salaries. And so it's both unpredictable. And I know that- And who knows
3: confident. what it's going to look like in, in 10 years.
1: Exactly. And Max will often pose that question to me of like, let's say you didn't feel so confident right now or something happened in social media. How would you feel if I was like, gatekeeping than the success that I would maybe be having at that point, you know? And it's like, it, it is stuff to think about. And you know, I think what I come down to is it is sca- like, I know I want to be with Max forever and he's great. And it's going to work out. I know that in my soul, it is scary to take this leap of like, I am, we're combining life. You know, there's like literally you no, want, you
3: back. want both. You want all the things you want <laughs> all that dream fairy tale, but you're also I want to keep my money.
1: <laughs> no no I do want to merge but it's just like a lot like even the other day no, we I know
3: you decided to it doing right. our
1: marriage license and he's like all right so what do you want your name to be and I was like shit like this really is yeah. happening
3: yeah oh it's no and that's why like the first year is tough is you have all these conversations that are like way more real that they were hypothetical before but I think the security and just being on one team like what does our family because that's what you'll be even with just two of us it, little family what do we want to do with her? Do we want to go on vacations? Do we want to save for something? Do we like, I literally don't understand how people with separate finances, like do anything, go out to dinner. Like I talk about like, Oh, you want to order something? Like he orders the steak and you get a bigger steak. You know, are you paying more of the dinner? Or are you, it was like, Oh, i to go on vacation. And then it just makes no sense. And then like, let's say bring a kid in the equation. Oh, I think they should play after school sports. Okay. Who's paying for that? Do you pay a portion? It, there's so many ways in which I think if one ever thought about like the day-to-day decisions, it would just be a nightmare to have separate finances. And then the other thing I was thinking about, which I think is another like, more just logical, which is less of a fun reason. because I don't think you should do this necessarily for logic reasons. It's like, let's say Max, Chris Collinsworth retires and they call Max and say, hey, we want you to be on Monday Night Football. So now he, now you guys have this decision. like if you were joint final, you just say, all right, even if it, I don't know what you would decide, but like, okay, let's say it impacts your business by X percent because you're moving hypothetically, but he now makes way more. Are you like doing the calculus of figuring out the lost cost to your salary for the increase in him? And then you, it's like you're paying alimony. You're not even divorced. You're in this like relationship. That's like so businessy in which reality, if you all like, and I'm not saying you're not doing this, but like, one team, where are we going with this life? This is an incredible opportunity. You take it and we'll figure out the rest. And, you know, and the vice versa, we do for the same. Like, You get some amazing opportunity here to cost him his job.
1: Right. And here's a, actually a literal question that is a good example that Max and I have been talking about this recent week is like, I'm currently in a place where if I want to put money back into my business, I can do that. I don't ask anyone. I hire a new part-time person. I We come up with their fee. I pay them monthly. Like, I do that. that's that's my stuff. It's like if Max and I merge, is it now weird that I'm consulting my husband who has no ties or involvement in my business? Can I expense someone X dollars a month? You know, so we're having to figure out the nuances of that. And like, I think I'm going to become an S-corp so that I can pay myself a salary and then my salary money would be a part of our relationship. But the money that the company has is the money that I can make decisions about how I want. But that's where I think...
3: Yeah, because like if you're... That would make sense to me. And again, neither of us are like business lawyers, but that would make sense to me where you're not giving over like your job. Like he's not calling you on like a, hey, they wanted to lower commission on this real estate deal. So like, I don't, I think you can accomplish it in different ways and everyone's situation looks different. I think the fundamental idea is the, are we doing this together as one united team for the best of our family? Or are we in this wonderful corporation business partnership where we like sort of look out for the other person as long as it's not at the expense of ours. And I think it's going to look different to everyone.
1: Well, thank you, Marcus, for coming on RealPod and sharing that. Super helpful. Thank you for having me. Okay, so my two favorite parts about that are, number one, first of all, loved his point about the ability to make money. There really is like no point in me having a little stash when I can make my own money with or without Max. That was, you guys, a game-changing realization for me. I feel like I had this obsession with wanting to have my own money because my mom and my Yaya and all those women didn't have their own money. So I was just kind of not really thinking about the fact that the difference in the situation is like, I can make my own money with or without Max. Like if something happened to our marriage, I still have my career and my ability to make money. I think these like horror stories of people... Being in these situations, which I think is like the feminine instinct in me, right? It's like, I don't ever want to be a woman who doesn't have the ability to support herself because we have seen time and time again, you know, women, like Tori said in the beginning, not being able to leave relationships because they don't have the financial ability. So I thought that was a really great point. And it made me like, hmm, yeah, I guess that's that's true. If something were to happen between me and Max, like. I still have my business and I would just like change my routing numbers and like my new money would come into my account. So that was a big realization for me. And number two, marriage is a special union. You know, Marcus said you are choosing dependency. You are choosing togetherness. And by doing that, you know, you want to have actions that live in alignment with your promises and your vows. And that includes money. And that in itself was like a huge principle. I really wasn't grasping. Like, I don't think I was sitting down and processing, like I'm marrying him. Like we are marrying each other. You know, what is the point of marriage? It's like till death do us part, right? Like in sickness and in health. And like, I'm going to be there for you. And we're going to, we want to be one. It's like, you're making this commitment that we want our lives. We want to have one life. And that's scary. Oh my gosh. When you sit and you think about that, it's like, you know, you're used to being on your own. You don't have to like rely on anyone else but yourself. You get to make your own decisions. And it's scary, but I think there's something so beautiful about being able to share your life with someone, you know, if that's something that you're interested in. And for me, it, it is. And so the fact that I have Max, and we want to do that together. It's like, I really do think I want to dive into that. Like I want the us and the we, not the I and the me. Okay, that was cheesy, but you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm starting to really really warm to the idea of merging our finances. I'm I'm really liking it. It's like I'm seeing it in a whole new light. I spent some time thinking about it and, you know, what the kind of partnership is that I want to have and while there is a part of me that does not want to leave my girl boss era, I started realizing I can still be a girl boss and make my money but it's not for me anymore. It's for us. The same way that the money that Max is making and the things that he's doing is not just for him, but it's for us. So at this point, the only aspect of merging that was still causing me, you know, the most concern was just regarding my LLC. So yeah, I'm starting to, get on board with, okay, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. But does that mean my business is yours? Should he have the rights to my company and its revenue? Should I have the rights to a company he forms if he does do that? And I brought this up to Max. I said, you know, while I want to merge finances and be a team, we need to iron out the details regarding my business and the money it generates. I get the desire to have everything be merged and I agree with that but I feel like because my business is so unique and it's like I run my own company and I make decisions I want there to be like a clear line of like yes my money is your money but my business is not your business the same way like I don't feel like I should feel like I have to consult you about how I want to grow and scale my business and like you don't need to be on calls about advice I'm getting for my business the same way that I wouldn't be on calls at your company telling you like what real estate deals to take and like how to advance in broadcasting. You know what I'm saying?
2: Right with you. Of course. Yeah. You're obviously way better at doing this thing than me. My only qualifier is if she's going to give you advice on how you should handle your home purchase, that just feels like something that I should be included with.
1: Totally.
2: I agree. I have no desire or no, I, yeah. I don't need to be involved with how you're investing your like, yeah. you know, real pod money. No,
1: no, I well, actually, I kind of think that's, for sure, that's think. something that you would be like, we would both like, you can't just go invest. I'm not talking about it. That's true. something yeah, that we true. would talk about. But what we, what I don't think we talk about is if I have a call with my CPA about how I'm gonna, actually, this is interesting, babe, because this is interesting because people often say you can put money back into your company. Like the way that I, I have people who I pay a monthly fee to and they work for me. It's like, that's interesting because that's now our money, and I'm taking some of it to pay someone. Like, that's
2: 100%. And that will definitely happen. Of you like pouring money back into the business, you already do that with like your content creators. But that's that, just a conversation we should all have.
1: Really? Because it's like, that's where the line's blurry to me. Like, I don't want to consult you about expanding my business and like what I'm going to pay someone who's going to work for me. Like, that's weird to me. And it feels like you're now like a co partner of Victoria Garrick LLC.
2: I mean, if the roles were reversed, and let's say I hire an executive assistant here in five years, I would have 100% consult you on that. If that meant that, hey, I'm now allocating X amount of dollars every single month to hiring an employee, that's something you should know about. Definitely. But,
1: but isn't that going to be weird if I'm like, hey, you know, Sabrina works for me. I pay her every month. It's like, I want to give Sabrina a raise, and then I have to go ask you about it. Like, that's where I like almost...
2: Well, I don't think it would be asking. think like, It could be more telling, just communicating. But I, I understand what you're saying, especially if, like, let's say you have 16 employees and, like, your 15th employee, like, quits. Like, of course, like, I don't need to, like, know about that per se. I think we, that would come up in, like, our dinner conversation anyways. But I, I do know what this you're saying. This whole
1: thing is making me feel like, is there something to be said about, like, keeping our business, like, a certain, I don't know.
2: No, it comes full circle. This is why we need to decide how we want to transfer money from my checking and from your LLC into our group checking. What does that look like every month? That's what we need to decide. Because if if we've, if we've decided that, Hey, that's going to be X amount of dollars. Well, then that's great. I don't, as long as it's the X amount of dollars and if it needs to be flexible, it's all good. But like, I don't need to worry about like your business as long as like our agreed upon, like, you know, transfer over into the, the the mutual checking like happens. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. But if, and it will be disproportionate. Like we're putting in 10% to you or 10% to me is a completely different number. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I,
2: I also think like we got to give ourselves a break. I think we are talking in big extremes. And, but this like, is important. Getting, like definitely, I don't, definitely. definitely. But,
1: and also I don't know, like, I think there's something to be said about if I'm an S corp and my company is making money and then I'm getting paid a salary, right? For my company, which is what I think I'm going to switch to. Yeah. My salary is like our joint money, but isn't the money that my LLC makes like.
2: I don't touch that. Hence the fact that you're going to S corp. I do not touch that. I have no business in your S corp. I only have business in your salary, whatever you decide. I only have business in that. It's your salary. You know, that. I have no business in Victoria, like Real Pod LLC or Real hashtag Real whatever But there's LLC.
1: there's money, like like my company is going to make an amount of money, and then I'm going to make a salary from that. Yeah. So what about the the money that my company makes? You're fine with not having any access to that money, and that not being our money? I'm just confused, because that's I'm fine. What
2: been saying. No, no, no. I'm fine with the idea that I don't you there's you don't need any of my permission to make business decisions out of that money. What I do think is fair is what your salary is. Yeah. It should be our money. And I should, I sound like a dick saying this, but I I should have a take in where where those funds are allocated. The same way I have with you. The same way you have with me. Yes. The same way you have with me.
1: That was a super important conversation for me and overall made me feel so much more comfortable. And we both really got on the same page. Max and I ended up setting up a family checking account, which, oh family literally makes me so happy to think about that Max and I are going to become our own little family. I can't wait to just like send out our little Christmas card after the wedding. But yeah, so we have a family checking account where that's like the money that we're going to use together, like for dinners, for rent, for everything. That's our family checking. We have a family savings, a family emergency fund. My investments become his investments. His investments become my investments. We're working on ironing out retirement plans, That's going to be slightly different once we merge and we have like a different income because we're joint, filing joint for our taxes, yada, yada, yada. So for the most part, everything is family, family accounts, but then we each have our own business checking accounts. So mine is a formal LLC, soon to be an S Corp. But Max's is a general checking, just where his work payments get deposited into. The very last decision was deciding between these two things regarding my LLC. I can add you to the government documents of my LLC, which would give you a right to the business and the money.
2: I would have a legal stake in the entity, your LLC, in that entity.
1: Which I did not want to do. Yes. So we settled.
2: No,
1: it's because I am a boss betch and I don't want a man's name on my freaking company, period. You
2: just don't want a scrub's name on your company. It's <laughs> all public image.
1: No, no. So she said the option is you become a user on my account. I add you and you can see and transact. But
2: it's very similar to like if I was your bookkeeper or like I was right. your like financial person, which is funny.
1: No, but it's different than being a bookkeeper because I gave you permission to transact. I didn't just say see activity. You can basically schedule wires from my LLC.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yep. True.
1: And then can I do the same on your business checking?
2: Yeah, you can dive in there if you want.
1: I don't want to dive in there. Okay, so then we're fully merged.
2: We are fully merged.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
2: Except for like the side bank accounts that I have that are like flowing.
1: <laughs> so that's our story, you know, not including a whole lot of other conversations we had and people we consulted. All of that obviously couldn't be squeezed into this episode, but what is best for our marriage, what I want and what Max wants is to merge finances and really approach the rest of our life together as one team. And it makes me very happy to think about. And I'm so glad that I took the time to really explore what I wanted, what I thought that I wanted to consult with others, family, friends, financial advisors, and then talk to Max, you know, most importantly, your partner and figure out what's going to be the best for you to have a successful marriage. I think the biggest takeaway from this episode though is honestly not whether or not you merge your finances, but the importance of communication and the ability to be open and honest in your relationship when it comes not only to money, but like everything, right? I think that is the foundation for a successful relationship. So I hope you enjoyed that sneak peek into literally the fly on the wall perspective of Max and I making this decision, definitely send this episode to a friend, your spouse, your partner, whoever in your life you think could benefit. If this was your first RealPod episode, I hope that you enjoyed it. I've got new episodes every single Wednesday for you and you can follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. Don't forget to rate and review if you enjoyed the episode today and I will be back for you next week. As always, keep it real.